Imagine if it was just gibberish. <laughs> she was just tapping. Like, Bellamy's, like, putting out all of it, and then he, like, goes and reads out, and he's like, oh. It says fart. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and welcome to R the 100 Podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 29-year-old journalist from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, BC. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Britannia, where I can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. And mine is less, if I had a mind space, what would it look like? And I do have a mind space. It's really boring, but it is a completely black room with filing cabinets. And the filing cabinets are, one, not organized. Two, there's papers paper sticking out of them and three they're they're like i heard I, you know what i heard myself say papy <laughs> those papies sticking out of i'm them. keeping it okay i love the papies <laughs> Aww. protect the papies <laughs> anyway it's a very disorganized place that is dark but for some reason that's just what it looks like so when you say that you do have one do you mean like you go in there and you find stuff um, I go in there to put stuff away. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. But you never go back out and get it? No, that's where I go and store things. Oh, That okay. I don't want to remember. And I go, and it, You do it, it like, in your dreams, or you do it, like, mentally, you just think about mentally, it? Mentally, I will, before I fall asleep at night, will picture that, and if something happened that I don't like, I will go and put it in there, and if I really didn't like it, I will go back, retrieve it, and then, um, this sounds so stupid. <laughs> I will, like visually um blow it out of my ear <laughs> no so like it it's it, what it looks like is floating paper right okay. and then it just leaves my head but like the only way i could think of to describe it was blowing out of my ear and that's gonna be in this podcast forever now that's okay cool <laughs> So yeah, anyway. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 24-year-old actor and drama instructor. I like rooting anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. I run at the 100 script on Twitter. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. And I don't have a mind space. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I were to have one, I think it would be kind of similar to Josie's. But it definitely wouldn't be as like musty, dark library that no one ever goes in. Mm-hmm. It would be more like lively bookstore. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In which you can go and, like, little elevator music plays. That'd be nice. And so you go in and, you know, it's like it's like that where it's, like, all of your memories are in, like, specific books like that. But I doubt, I don't think it would, they would be in chronological order like hers. Like, they would be, like, um... By, like, theme or event or something. Yeah, exactly. Like, it could be by, by year even, but it would be, like... Um, so for example, like when I was in theater school, like this one happened in movement class, this one happened in voice class, this one happened in acting class. You'd have your own organization system, it just wouldn't be chronological. Yeah, it would be like kind of chronologically in the way it'd be like, this is theater school, this was first year, this was second year, but but inside those there would be different subsections. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. Today we have words to say about episode 607 of The 100. Never mind. (laughs) I like that, I like that. Me. Alright, so important, most crucial question, tutor boot. (sighs) Tutor boot, Brittany. Second shoot of the season. I would also like to shoot it. I'm glad yeah. that we got to watch this one live and not a baseball game. Yeah, last week our episode was co-opted by baseball, and I was like, um, screw baseball. <laughs> baseball is my favorite sport, but it is not as important as the 100, yeah, I must say. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I was happy to watch it live, and yes, I am pleased to give it another shoot. I don't know if we've... Given two shoots in one season before. 
I think we've only actually ever um, given the only shoot that I know I gave was for 501. Yeah, but like even on Riverdale this season, we gave a shoot to Midnight Club. Dude, I can't remember if we gave a shoot to the finale. I feel like I might have given a shoot to the you finale. You might have, but I think I gave it a two. But it's different because the the episode, there are so many episodes mm-hmm. in a season of Riverdale that there's more opportunities to get a shoot. And I mean, I love Riverdale so much, but the standards are much lower with That's Riverdale. absolutely true. Whereas like with The 100, despite us really managing expectations going into this season, they keep like topping themselves each episode so our standards are going up and the episode quality is also going up so the fact that there's a second shoot in an already strong season is just dope within three episodes yeah it was a little like shoot to shoot yep that's pretty cool somebody else had thought it was a shoot oh yes our honorary assistantado of the aficionados casey very specifically tweeted us and was like i want it to be known as an assistantado of the aficionados that i give this episode a shoot so Casey, who is Casey Wall on Twitter, that's Wall with an H and an L, not two L's. She would like everyone to know that she also shooted this. Hey, Brittany. Hey, Robin. You want some thoughts from listeners? Oh my god, I would love thoughts from listeners. Great. So from Chitterkins on SoundCloud, what is the difference uh, between whether or not Clark survives in Mm -hmm. the mind space? Isn't the fact that she's not a natural nightblood or that she didn't agree to it, but just that she had the flame in her head once, and so her brain is already adjusted to having more than one consciousness in her mind, which turned out to be, like, kind of true. Yeah, first of all, Chitterkins is a great username. Second of all, yeah, that got really close to being true. Mm -hmm. So definitely on the right track there. Way to go. Uh, At King's Token, I think the nulls are people whose breeding line you would not like to continue. Just like with animals, if you have an animals with genetic or behavior problems, you would most likely sterilize them. So shout out to King's Token for always being smarter than we are. Yeah, so correct. you figured it out. And um, I am humbled. So with the baby's mother being Dioza, an infamous terrorist, they would not want her daughter to breed and continue that family line. Xavier either knows who Dioza is or he knows that she was kicked out of Sanctum so she isn't considered worthy by the primes. Yep. Correct. That's what oblation was. At Lisa Powell 92, while the null thing also piqued my interest, I mostly wondered how Zabriel (laughs) knows Dioza's baby is a girl if he supposedly just guessed she's pregnant. Did he actually already know or does he have a magic ultrasound powers or is that just a writing error? Or has he already seen into the future? Oh, I didn't even think about that until that thought popped in my brain as you were speaking and I was like, (gasps) who's to say? What if he's genuinely trying to save her from the future that he's seen? Maybe. Oh, the mind reels. But yeah, wow. Mm-hmm. Hmm. We shall see. I feel like Raven and everyone else keeps forgetting that she tortured Lincoln to try to save Finn in season one. Maybe she didn't do anything awful to survive, but she did something awful to help him survive. Like, don't get me wrong, she is morally superior to almost everyone on this show, but even she can stoop low when she feels the need. Totally forgot that Raven did that, Mm -hmm. so I'm going to go ahead and say that the show also forgot that Raven did that. Yeah. Thank you for pointing that out. Which is weird because this whole episode was about pointing out things that people did. Yeah, obviously we need a Raven episode like this. Like, one of the pictures on the wall was Lincoln tied up, so it's like, hello? Yeah, it was literally Bellamy torturing Lincoln. Yeah. At exoloveleone underscore SS, is Dioza going to go into the anomaly and come out with a baby since it fast forwards time? I genuinely think at this point it has to. Yeah. Like, that. I feel like that baby's never going to be born. Birth scenes take too long and this show is like, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. I mean, there's always the possibility that they would save that for a finale and yeah. intercut it with other things. Yeah. But yeah, wow, that baby is um, old now. Yeah. Is, is that baby going to be okay? Who knows? Yeah. 
And lastly, for our thoughts from listeners this week, we have the coolest voicemail ever. So our friend Isra at Isra Glass sent us in a voicemail about Fibonacci spirals. And she's a big fan of mathematics and this sort of thing. So I hope that you guys enjoy this more expert view on the whole spiral thing. More informed. More informed things that we cannot give you. Yeah. Isra is here to give it to you. Hey, Aficionados. In last week's episode of The 100, the spirals also come AI and I also think that they're Fibonacci spirals. Looking at the one Dioza drew, I think that one's the best example. The Fibonacci sequence is really old. It was invented slash discovered by this Italian mathematician in about 1200. So basically how you get the sequence is you take two numbers, add them together, and then you get the next one. So you start off with one, and then adding the previous number, one plus zero is one, and then you continue. So one, one, two, three, five, eight, 13, 21, and you continue. What's interesting is when you take these numbers and divide them by the previous one, you get a number approaching phi, or the golden ratio, and you see this num- these numbers and this ratio like everywhere. Like in nature, like if you look at your hands, you have five fingers, like if you look at your face, you have two eyes, two ears, like the way that human bodies are structured. Flower petals or sunflowers are really good for this like you like the way that the seeds are spiraled and pineapples are really interesting like you look at the way that those are spiraled like they'll they'll be in sets of Fibonacci numbers it's really cool um anyways back on track what's really weird about this is that this is like a concept and like these are ideas from the year 1200 so thousands and thousands and thousands of years of mathematicians like studying this stuff like philosophers like (laughs) and Xavier says quote, the anomaly is calling them. So he's not talking about Gabriel. He's talking about the anomaly, like meaning that somehow this anomaly is like taking these like mathematical concepts and ideas and trying to communicate with these humans. Like it's not just like this like weird spirally magnetic tornado something or other. It's intelligent. Like I don't know how else to describe it. Like it's alive. It's so weird. I don't I don't know what this means for the hundred, but I think the anomaly is an alien. <laughs> Bye guys. So thank you so much to Isra for sending that in. Like bless you from the bottom of our hearts for saying what we had no clue of. Yeah. You know? Uh, and if you guys have any long form thoughts, just like Isra did, um, go ahead and send us a voicemail at aficionadospodcast at gmail.com and we'll play it on the show. I can't believe how much we don't understand math and how much Isra really does understand math. Yeah. Like, it's amazing. Um, so with this episode, we are over half done the season. Oh my god. And it's still good. I have to say that, like, Riverdale has 22 episodes a season. It takes us until the 11th episode of the season to be half done. And so the fact that this goes so quickly is like, whoa, wait, whoa, what? Where'd it go? Yeah, it's very confusing. Yeah. And so far, I think the there's only one episode that you could really consider filler, but even within that episode, it was still a good episode. Yeah. Whereas, like, when other shows do filler, not even just Riverdale, but, like, other shows, sometimes you're just like, my time is being wasted. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. But I feel like no second of this season is wasted time. Yeah. It's very, like, Orphan Black in that way. I find Orphan Black to be another show that just, like, does not give you a break. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily. I mean, sometimes I think to the detriment of the show. Yeah. Um, like, it could give us, if I could get some more joy. Like, there's a couple, there's a bit of joy in, in Orphan Black 
Um, like anything Allison does, you're just like, yes, this is funny. The whole point of Donnie is hilarity, mm-hmm. but something that this show skates the line really well it, of go, 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 go. And also let's take a heck and break. Yeah. You know? And I mean, I definitely feel like it took them probably six seasons to figure this balance out, but now that they've figured it out, like each episode isn't doom and gloom. It's the stakes are high. But you're having a great time watching it. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm having an amazing time watching this season just because it feels like the writers had fun writing it. Yeah. You know, there's a whole new world to play with. There's new mythology, new characters. Like, it really feels like they got to write outside of the box. And so we get to watch it and, like, go along for this ride. And it's just fun. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel anyway. Do you have any, like, overarching just, like, about this episode general feelings? General thoughts? Yeah, I do actually have one, which is that I feel like this episode did what a lot of people like wanted the show to do. And it's, I think that Kim Shumway who wrote this episode saw a lot of the discussions that were happening. A lot of like the critiques, both from professional critics, fan critics, like, you know, wherever, if you fall in between and decided, okay, here's the beats that I want to hit. So like, for example, when Josephine brings up Clark torturing Maddie, like she actually says, oh, child abuse you know, dressed up as protection. And it's like, I feel like that's them touching on, yeah, we know that we glossed over that way too much. Here, we're going to return to it and say that, yeah, Clark does have regrets about that and we're going to make a comment on it. I really feel like a lot of this episode, I don't think its goal was to do that, but I think it definitely served that agenda. And so that's why I really liked it. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Yeah, I, I really, really liked the episode as well. I really love episodes like this where it's a lot of inner stuff like Mm -hmm. a mind stuff because then you kind of get to look at every single little detail and think about what that means for that character because it's not just set deck it's Clark's actual mind remembering things slash bringing things in so for example and we'll talk about this later the Monty that she sees is season one Monty Mm -hmm. he's got the swoopy hair he's got that red jacket it's season one Monty and what does that mean Rather than season five, Monty, who's the person that she saw the most recently. It's interesting. Yeah, it's such a great, it's probably the most amount of time we've spent with Clark since 501. Mm-hmm. And it's such a great look into- five, 501? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Sorry, I was just making sure you're- Well, because 501 was a solitary Clark episode. Yes, okay. And yes. then after that, in season five, we didn't, it was mostly Clark being reactionary. Yeah. Whereas in this, she's very much- proactive she's fighting for her life like there's a lot of Clark driving the plot and then Clark responding to the plot there's a good balance there and so with this one it was a really interesting look at the psychology of Clark and like we get a good mix of what Clark thinks about herself what she thinks her friends think about her and what she thinks about her friends and Mm -hmm. I think that's so interesting especially with Monty Mm -hmm. like you mentioned she allows Monty to not judge her in the same way that Maya judged her right or in the same way that like even Josephine judges her like Monty is more the get a grip friend. And I think that's really cool because that's all in Clark's head. Mm -hmm. She has the capacity for all of this self-reflection just in one person. She must be exhausted all the time. Yeah. Another thought that I had just kind of generally was that until the very, the last 10 minutes of the episode, which is when we go into Josephine's mind space and you get to learn about Josephine, um, I was like worried about coming on the podcast and talking about stuff just because there's not really like... For example, when we go in to talk to Octavia, it's like, we've seen all this before. Octavia just tells Clark things that we already know that Clark feels. Especially with, like, in 502 when she went crazy and, like, her mom, like, Abby was on the radio during the Mm -hmm. eclipse and everything. Oh, you mean 602? 602, sorry, yeah. Um, 
we know that she already has a lot of self-hatred and everything. Like, we already know all this stuff. So, like, mm-hmm. the stuff with Octavia, and even the stuff with Maya, it's stuff, it's kind of stuff that we're like, okay, we already know that Clark feels this way about mm-hmm. herself. Um, it's just in a different lens, which is cool. So I was, like, worried. I was like, I don't know if I'm even going to have that much to say about it. But then those last ten minutes happened, and I was like, okay, so just get ready for just, like, all conversation to revolve around those last ten minutes. See, and in my opinion, we had to visit all of those beats that we'd already seen to make all of those puzzle pieces fit together. Mm -hmm. Because, like, in my mind, you know, Clark's reflection on, uh, in 501, for example, Clark was talking about how everyone had their reason. But then we didn't really get to explore that. So, like, the Grounders versus Sky Crew, like, maybe there was no us versus them. Everyone was just fighting for their people. And, like, Clark only really understood that in season five. And then we had Clark talking in 602 about, like, you know, maybe everyone would be better off without me. So I feel like those were little breadcrumbs. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until here that we got to see it all contextualized Mm -hmm. in sort of the form of Clark hates herself, but she's very driven, but she's also scared, but she's also the bravest person that's ever lived. Like, it's just sort of understanding the dichotomy and, like, messiness of Clark's mind. And so I think this this episode was a culmination of a lot of stuff that has been building for a while, and that's why I think it works. Yeah, no, I'm not saying that I dis- disliked those scenes. I thought they were really cool. Yeah. I just, like, wasn't sure if I was able to come on this podcast and have important thoughts about things that we kind of already knew. Yeah, because, I mean, I guess there's, like, different ways to watch it, because for sure there's, like, from the plot advancing perspective, the mechanics of how this works is more relevant to the rest of the season, but the inner workings of Clark is more relevant to the overall show. Yeah, and it's different when you're watching the episode for fun, and when you're watching the episode knowing that you're going to have to sit for, like, two hours and talk about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, I watch shows like... I guess I really only watch comedies other than the things that we podcasted about. Um, uh, you watch reality shows. Yeah, those aren't the same. Anyway, basically it's, like, different when you're watching, like, a show just for fun. And you're like, I guess I'll talk about this on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Rather than being like, people are waiting for to hear my thoughts about this. Yeah. Um, but either way, we are going to go chronologically through this episode. I think that is the smartest way to go. And um, yeah. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Cool. Um, all right. Clark wakes up in her mind space, which is her cell in the skybox, and there are drawings all over the walls that signify memories in her life. She opens the door to her home with Maddie, and her dad is there. Clark does some serious deducting and realizes that she's dead, and then that she's not dead. Okay, so why do you think Jake is there? I think that it's the same reason that they're bringing back everybody else who they're bringing back is kind of, um, honestly, it's a little bit of shock value. Oh, yeah, for sure. And nostalgia. Yeah. Um, So I think that's, like, the main reason that he's there. Um, also Clark has, like, no dad figure. Like, I know she doesn't, I don't, I'm not sure if she really thinks of Kane as a father figure at I this point. I don't consider Kane a father figure. Yeah, I don't They haven't think spent so. enough time together. But either way, Kane isn't here, so there isn't, other than Russell, there isn't really, like, a, an adult male presence mm-hmm. in, in the show right now. I mean, but does she even need one? No. Yeah. I'm just saying that, like, in the show, there isn't yeah. one right now, other I, than Russell. I mean, like, with, with Kane, it's more like, you know, they did have those nice moments in season four, but they spend more time apart than they do together at this point, you know? What's really cool is that the writer's room, I have never seen the writer's room Twitter so lit. (laughs) That's Cam Shumway for you. She's so good at this. But yeah, do we want to go through any of their things? Yeah, for sure. I do wish, I love this plotline so much, and this is really, uh, this has nothing to do with the writing of the episode. I wish that Chris Browning hadn't spoiled that he was coming back months and months and months ago, because it would have been a really nice surprise. Mm-hmm. And now, like, 
I mean, if you follow him on Twitter or, you know, you're just on Twitter at all, you would have known that, oh, Jake was coming back to the show at some yes. point. And so as the season progressed, we started to be able to figure out when that was going to fit in. Mm-hmm. And especially with the trailer and the shots of Clark and Mount Weather, as it were. Right. It just, yeah. I wish that that hadn't been spoiled. Yes. This reminds me, actually, of, if I can bring up Riverdale again, we had a major complaint. I mean, honestly, we had a few complaints about the musical episode this year. Yeah. Um, but our big complaint at the end there was that um, we were given a reveal of a very big actor who was playing, like, one of the big bads of the season. Mm-hmm. And if we hadn't already known that that person had been cast then that moment, it was shot and it was written like a shock moment. It was a twist. It was like, oh my gosh, is that who I think it is? Oh my gosh. But because we had already gotten the casting announcement, we had already known about it. And when we had gotten the casting announcement, it was like, oh my God, this is so exciting. But like, yeah, I kind of wish that I wasn't a person who was so far into the Riverdale fandom sometimes because then just watching that, it would have been fun. It would have been, been like, like is that whoa, Chad Michael Murray. <laughs> so be like, yeah, it is. So yeah, um, I definitely agree with you there. Yeah, but I would love to tell anybody who's listening to this if you haven't gone, like, you should go and check out the Writers Room Twitter, which is at the Hundred Writers. But I know that not necessarily people who are listening to this right now, not necessarily they are here, like while that's still new. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody could be listening to this two years from now. So we're going to go through a couple of the our favorite tweets that they posted. Fantastic. About it. So we're going to go over some of the drawings on the walls just to see, like, you know, who's there? What was significant to Clark? Like, why did this happen? Um, one thing that we were told was that the art was um, done by a number of different artists. They had a couple people come in and then just draw on the walls, essentially. So that's why you see a couple different art styles, but that are all still very clearly Clark's art style. So on one of the walls, you have Jasper Speared, which, of course, was, you know, the kickoff where they were like, hey, we're not messing around on this show. Uh, You also have Jaha on the ground. I don't really remember what part this is from. It looks like there's like waves all around him or something. I think it's trees. Oh, yeah, trees. It does kind of look like waves, though. Like waves crashing. The thing that I think is really interesting is that Clark drew Arcadia twice. Mm -hmm. She drew Arcadia as it was, which is like perfectly formed. And then later there's um, destroyed Arcadia with the sign hanging down, which I really liked. There's Finn. I can't believe Finn is in the hair. Like, that's crazy to me. He looks so good. Like, like, it really looks like him. It's It's such a beautiful drawing. Yeah. You have Finn with the art pencils from season one. Becca's Rocket, of course. Wells and Clark hugging. Wells is a big figure on these drawings. Well, that's the thing. That's one of the things that I like to talk about in the about the six years is that like there's a lot of stuff that we didn't see. They have mm-hmm. relationships that we didn't really get to see exactly all these all the fostering that they really did up there. And that's another thing is it's just like we don't really expect to see Wells so much on here because we only got him for four episodes, and then that one where he was like up and talking to Jaha, but he was a hallucination yeah. or whatever. But um. Clark spent her whole life growing up with Wells. Yeah. So, of course, Wells would be on here. We just don't expect to see him because we didn't see him very often. And some of the other Wells drawings, there's one actually above Clark and Maddie where it's Wells and Clark holding hands and running through the arc. As children. And I thought that was so cute. Mm -hmm. Of course, there's Clark and Maddie. There's the number of Lexa drawings on here is makes my heart happy. There's Lexa and then above her, of course, is Abby. Mm -hmm. And then there's also a huge portrait of Luna. See, I was wondering, I was like, where's yeah. Luna? Luna's got to be on here somewhere. Because some of it's hard to see, of course, because we don't get to see all of the walls just in the show. 
But there's also a drawing of Clark's point of view of where back is, which I think is really cool. <laughs> that one's really cute. There's also the cages in Mount Weather, Lexa and Rowan fighting. There's, I know there's one where it's Queen Naya, who's uh, like when she was dead. Yeah. There's everyone dead in Mount Weather. The, um, that little valley Yep. From season five, which I think behind the scenes, um, there was a bear that crossed through there. And I always thought that was like the scariest thing I ever heard. <laughs> There's a drawing of someone. This one is someone pointing their finger out and like accusing. And yeah. I don't know what this drawing is of. Yeah. It kind of looks like it could be Echo, but it could also maybe be Octavia. So it's like, I can't really tell. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what that is. Or maybe if it's something that we have yet to see. Yeah. There's also Clark and Lexa outside Mount Weather on the wall, but it, that's hard to see too. Okay, yeah. And then they, there's some stills. There was, the thing that kind of cracked me up is there was like no Murphy in the drawings. Yeah. The the one shot that you get of Murphy is Murphy post-pumping Antari's heart, which yeah. already came up in this season, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. There's also a huge thing of McCreary. Yeah, and like, Shaw. What the heck? Yeah, McCreary and Shaw. And then Anya, which I thought was so cool. Mm-hmm. I miss Anya. Who's this down here? Oh, yes. Okay, so covered the drawing, by the chair. Um, A lot of people think that is either Bellamy or Kane. Sure. Oh, yeah, where's Kane on here? Kane does have one drawing. It's just hard to see. There, there are these Chinese, I believe, characters that are all over this room. And I don't know what they're doing in Clark's mind space. Is it just because it's being, like, pricked by Josie all over the place? I don't know what these characters mean. That's actually a really good question. What does that mean? I noticed that, like, a couple days ago, and I was like, I wonder what that means. Like, Clark doesn't speak. Chinese. Clark doesn't speak that at all. No. She speaks two languages, English and Trigetta slang, so. Oh, there's Naya after being murdered. Yeah. There. And then there's more drawings on the roof, so, like, Lexa looking sassy. There's Octavia um, seeing the light for the first time Which again after. so cool. There's a huge thing of Amori as well on the rafters of the roof. There's another thing of Shaw. There's two giant things of Shaw. Yeah. And Wells is on the roof as well. Another big Lexa. There's also the Polaris pod. There's Amori. Yeah. Big thing of Amori. Lots of BC mountains, which warms my heart. That's a lot, Alexa. There's so much luck that makes me so happy. I'm like, wow, Clark, do you miss her? Because me too. So one thing we also learned from the writer's Twitter is that they actually wrote... An entire thing where Clark got to talk to Wells mm-hmm. and that Wells was going to come back. Ugh. And Eli Gorey actually agreed to that, but they couldn't make the schedules work in order to shoot it, which made me so sad. I'm so sad. Listen, okay, so Eli Gorey is on Riverdale and he plays the character called Mad Dog. And which is probably why the schedules didn't work out. And I love Mad Dog. He's probably become one of my favorite characters on Riverdale, even just after being in, like, I don't know how many, six maybe episodes yeah. on season three. Um, but God, would I have totally sacrificed an episode with Mad Dog to have Wells on on this episode. So that's disappointing. But what can you do? Yeah. Oh, that made me sad. Yeah. But, you know, there was lots of Wells talk. There's lots of Wells on the walls. So we didn't lose out completely. Yeah. But yeah, that was really cool. There were a lot of really fun facts about this episode that wound up on the writer's Twitter. So if you're anywhere near the release of this episode, I would definitely suggest checking out their Twitter. And even you can go on, like, Twitter advanced search. And because, like, this episode came out on June 18th, 2019. So if you go on advanced search, you can go to June 18th and a little bit forward and you can probably find them. Oh, another important thing from this that I do wish hadn't been cut for time because it would explain a lot 
is the scene with Octavia got massively cut down in post for time. Sigh. The longer version explained why we don't see a lot of the characters we won't be seeing this episode because Clark can't bear to face them. So we don't see Bellamy, we don't see Abby, we don't see Murphy or Maury, any of them because they're, like, Clark can't look at them. Yeah. Basically. I do have to say that the scene with Octavia felt very out of place just because every other person that she was seeing is dead. So the fact that Octavia is still alive and she was here Mm -hmm. was kind of, it just felt kind of off, you know? I get that. But I I mean- could you also argue that Blood Rain is dead? I if if she had seen regular Octavia from season one, I would be like that Octavia is oh, dead. Yeah, okay, that's a good. But point. I don't I don't know if Blood Rain is dead. Just just after being like just after being in the Orbeez for a little bit, I don't know if I would call that a complete rebirth. Okay. Rebirth as in fair enough. Like that anyway. I love the fact that she changes outfits depending on where she is. That must have been so much work and it's so cool. It's so cool though. It's completely worth it. Like changes outfits, changes makeup, changes hair. Mm -hmm. Like the amount of wigs Eliza must have had to wear. I loved the part where she literally like as they're fighting like (gasps) goes in like starts in one outfit and goes to another one just while they're fighting because like. That's so cool. That I attention to detail. Just, that's, what, that's what puts this episode over top. Yeah. Is the attention to detail. Mm-hmm. Um, Clark is upset that she didn't get to say goodbye to her family. I like that it's that she talks specifically about Maddie and mm-hmm. Abby. And, like, obviously her friends are her family too. But, like, I love that it was, like, specifically those two. Yeah. I, I mean, I, as an Abby fan, am just really grateful because I know that sometimes the show has forgotten, like, that bond. Mm-hmm. So the fact that not only was it remembered, but Clark said, like, you know, like, her mom was the first thing she saw when she woke up, right? Mm-hmm. Was the drawing of Abby. And then she saw Lex, and then she saw Bellamy. And it's just like, it's nice that we're reminded of these characters, even if we're not seeing them. I love my mom, too. I get it. Yeah, same. Um, So it starts to rain because she's sad. And I have thoughts on this later, actually. I have thoughts on this now. Okay. <laughs> oh, it's, bring- it's about Battlestar Galactica. No, it's not. It's about Men in Black 2. Okay. <laughs> okay. So there is this one part where it's kind of implied that Agent K either like had a daughter or like was in love with this alien woman and like he was helping her daughter who I think it was Rosario Dawson who played her. And at one point she was like, I'm always sad when it rains. And Tommy Lee Jones goes, it rains because you're sad, baby. And I was like, just melodrama of it always stuck with me so the minute she said like jake was like it's raining because you're sad i was like "Mm, tommy lee jones that's it that's my story do you have a battlestar galactica story as well uh yeah when she said it's raining and jake said what do you hear i yelled nothing but the rain really loudly because that's from battlestar good morning starbuck what do you hear nothing but the rain grab your gun and bring in the cat boom 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 the cat yep Okay. Oh, my next note was just, I would love to see my family members again, even if it was just in my head. Yeah, I get that. That'd be great. would love that. Do you have any other thoughts on that scene before we talk about Allie? Nope. Clark leaves her dad and steps into the Allegis ship where there is a door that's decorated for Christmas. Curiouser and curiouser. Instead, Clark goes back to her cell and Allie is inside. She tells her why the mind wipe failed and also to hold one of her memories close to her as it would help Josie kill Clark. I love this. I added that... Alice in Wonderland quote in just because as I was writing it, writing these summaries, I thought how similar this actually kind of is to Alice in Wonderland Mm -hmm. in which she comes down and she's discovering things 
as she goes and it's just a crazy type of land. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, The thing that she hears behind the Christmas door, I guess Josie's door, yeah. is the flashback from 602. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. He yells, um, Sanctum is mine. Oh, right, right, right. And there's right, like right, right, scary right. sounds. So the mind wipe failed because she had the chip. So it would fail on Maddie as well. It would fail on anyone who's been chipped. So anyone in the City of Light except for Raven and Abby. Yeah, because they've both been EMP'd. So their whole, I think they called it a neural mesh, Yeah, is has been disabled. Gotcha. Which is interesting because you know who else is being put in a new body soon? Some Kane. guy named Kane? Yeah. Oh, right. Obviously. So then it's going to fail. Hmm. So if that fails, that means that Kane is theoretically in two places at once. Because he's in a chip and he's still in his old body. No, he'd be put in a different body in the... So... They would try and remove... I think there's going to be a copy left in in his... My theory is that it's not so much like a complete removal from him to put into the mind drive to put into someone else as a copy. Right. But that's my theory. Yeah, because it, it wouldn't make sense because no one's trying to take his body because, exactly. I mean, he has some, but he messed up right now, so yeah, nobody wants some, it. Yeah, he like, super fatal injuries. Yeah, so nobody wants his body right now. Yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and say that this is definitely going to come into play later. Cool. Only the people who weren't EMP'd, so Clark, Maddie, anybody who was in the City of Light, so, like... Imori, Jackson. That mean that means it everyone. Would, that means it would work on Murphy, Bellamy. Um, would work on Raven. Would work on Maddie. No, Bellamy. Oh, sorry, oh yeah, Bellamy was never chipped. Octavia Miller. Yep. Yeah, but it. Uh, Jackson was in the City of Light. Yes. 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 Amori yeah. was in the City of Light. Yeah. Kane and Abby were in the City of Light. So I think the. I love this. I love this sort of TV science behind this because it's like sure that makes sense. I mean, it doesn't make any sense, but it actually. Within the context of the show, I'm like, yeah, I believe that. For yeah, sure. it's fun because I was just talking to our friend Emily about what, when we were watching um, Lost with her recently, and I was like, they just keep giving you information about the world, and you kind of have to be like, okay, yeah, okay, sure, okay, and then when you get to the end of the series, you're like, that was crazy, but they followed all the rules that exactly. they told me exactly were true, so I'll take it. You know, that's why it's like to me, like God tier sci fi. Is it follows its own rules. But, like, that's another thing that I love about it is that it's also, like, a completely different type of sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Stranger, Thing, Stranger Things is right now. Um, because it's definitely sci-fi, but it takes place in our world. Like, a lo- when you think of sci-fi, you think of, like, way in the oh, future in space. that's called speculative. Speculative. There you go. You know, things like that. Like, yeah. things that are what I call soft sci-fi. Yeah. But I think with Stranger Things, it's more a blend of sci-fi and fantasy. Yeah. Whereas, like, where the 100 is right now is much closer to a Star Trek. Yeah. You know? It used to be very close to Lost and Battlestar. Yeah. Um, now it's very much in Star Trek territory. Either way, it's heckin' cool. And either way, you and I speak that language. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Delilah is legit dead. Yes. Sorry, Jordan. Um, okay, so the thing that I find interesting here is the chip and the use of the chip. Oh, you mean like her putting it into a memory and yeah, then taking it? I yeah, love just, I love the creativity of that idea where it's using an established thing within the universe. It doesn't pull something, you know, they're not pulling a rabbit out of like a hat, right? They're yeah. like, here, you have established rules for what this object is. The audience recognizes it. It means something. It evokes you know, feelings of old earth, of Lexa, of the chip, of everything. Like it brings it feels like it brings the whole show together mm-hmm. just with this one tiny concept right i love that i love how much 
this is doing for season three, like it's doing season three justice. Mm -hmm. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's wrapping up a lot of stuff in season three and then season four and season five that never got explored. Right. But should have. Right. And I just want to give a call out post because Erica Sarah was at Unity (laughs) Days this year and she was like, what if we brought back Allie? Ha ha ha. And the whole, everybody, all of us in the audience were like, ha ha ha. Yeah, right. As if they do that, Erica. We're like, literally, we wish. (laughs) Um, So that was funny because she knew. She 100% knew. She knew. All right. Josie? Josie. Cool. Clark opens the Christmas door, which turns out to be Josie's mind space. Josie does a lot of explaining because she knows everything. She speaks on what it's like to share a body with another mind, and we hear about when they were first doing tests on people younger than 21. Josie either needs to kill Clark in here or find a way to kill Clark out there. Either way, she has a big advantage. Okay, so first things first. Okay, two questions. Okay. Two thoughts. Yes. One, does Clark even know what Christmas is? Right. It seems like the only holiday they have is Unity Day. Exactly. Interesting. I feel like we might have gotten a flashback in which... No. No, I don't know. I don't know. And then two... Oh, heck. Oh, they put Josie in a baby? Well, that's a grown woman's conscious in a baby. They were doing tests. But still, I'm like, not. I'm not saying that it's yeah. obvious. I'm not saying I'm not being no, like, yeah, do the, it or whatever. Within the morality within, of what was going on, yeah, within yeah, yeah. their like ideas, they're just like, let, we want to bring her back as soon as possible, and then hopefully when she gets to like five and she starts being able to talk, she's like, hey, I'm Josie, what's up? But like that's so weird because it's like they put a grown woman in a baby's body, so she would have to endure like years of growing into a person again. Yeah, that would be horrible. Yeah, I mean, obviously it didn't work because it. I feel like two scientists should have known that an underdeveloped brain would not deal well with a mind wipe, yeah. but whatever. That's why they were like, once we get to 15, they're like, yeah, they're about done, right? Puberty's over. Meh. They're fully cooked. Yeah. <laughs> Josie specifically said that she had insomnia to postpone this episode. Like, they needed this yeah. episode to happen now, so they, like, couldn't have her go to sleep l- before, yep. you know? She specifically had to not go to sleep until this moment, which I thought was cool. I'm nuts about that. Yeah. Um. So... As soon as she started talking about mind spaces, I was brought back to the concept of the mind palace. <laughs> Are you it's familiar Sher- with this? Yeah, it's Sherlock. Yeah. So first of all, the mind palace is hilarious. Like yeah. looking back at yes. the time, it was revolutionary. Looking back, I'm like, see, my mafia, you're kind of a clown. But yes, continue. Of course, like <laughs> Sherlock uh, on BBC Sherlock, he has this thing called the mind palace. <laughs> In which he can, like, everything, everything he knows, like, he's the smartest man in the entire world, everything he knows, he, like, just goes into his brain and he, like, does a thing where he's like, ha, ha, blah, blah, blah. And then, and then there are these graphics on the screen that, ha- that like, show the things and he, like, sees the thing and he's like, no. And then he sees the thing and he's like, not yeah, that. Yeah, the word hound in, like, 30 different fonts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he's like, blah, blah, blah. And you can see him going through his mind palace and John Watson is like, what's he doing? And they're like, mind palace. Um... <laughs> like looking back it's so stupid but like look it's like okay so but he has a whole palace that's the whole point it's like i used to make this joke where i was like he's got a mind palace i'm not as smart as him my mind palace is like a mind like bungalow like it's just small is it like nice and open concept yeah oh i love that for you (laughs) so but yeah so as soon as she was like yeah your mind space is really i was like so mind palace yeah yeah Um, if her mind space is so organized and it only happens when there are two bodies, what's up? So, like, if if, it, if they had only done six months and 15, how has she gotten the time to organize organize her mind space if it only happens when there are two people in one mind? I body? feel like, I mean, Clark's was an involuntary creation. Right. So I feel like Josie's was also an involuntary creation and your brain basically makes it based on who you are as a person. 
So the brain was like, oh, I know how to organize this. Books. Right. So she's, because she's so old. <laughs> no. Like, because look. she's, okay. Um, sure. But because, she, be, what I meant was because she has so many memories and so much because she has been alive for so long. And Josie herself is always like around books. She loves books. Yeah. She loves, like. She writes books. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, in my mind, I was writing my notes for later, just sort of about the differences between where Clark and Josie, like, approach their memories but i think josephine's first and only love is science yeah and everything else is second so it makes perfect sense that this friggin' science nerd would store them like books chronologically yeah. meticulously numbered makes perfect sense mm-hmm. um so she talks about the six months old uh kate just all chaos and shapes annoying 15 year old named savannah frick savannah's drag i guess you know what i stand savannah i'm savannah i'm sorry that bad people made you go away yeah so, obviously, these two were, like, two more embryos from the wherever they get these embryos. Or they were part of, like, the breeding program. But if this was before Brooke, they'd all be embryos, oh, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah, sorry. I'm I'm a simple woman. Yeah, you're right. Um, If Josie was the first one they did, is she the only one who knows how to deal with this? What do you mean? With the mind palace, you mean? Yeah, because, um... Maybe. Because if she's the only one that this has happened to, because they, cause she was the first one that they were trying to bring back. Mm-hmm. So... Because <laughs> I feel like Russell was like, I want to bring back my wife. And Gabriel was like, I want to bring back your daughter. And he's like, I also love my daughter, so I guess we'll do that. Yeah, like, I guess we we're on A the compromise. Same yeah. So Josie is the one who kept being put in people who were younger than her, or who, who were younger than 21. So it seems like she, and, and everybody else, would have been put into minds that would already have been actually wiped. So Josie would be the only person who knows how to deal with this. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that right. Sense. Which is probably part of why Josie has lost her mind as much as she has. Because, yeah. you know, who's to say that she hasn't sort of slowly been degrading over mm-hmm. time? Right. Um, she mentions that the last primes who went on ice died forever. First of all, your fault. Yeah, yeah. Um, conveniently buried that one, huh? Second of all, this is exactly what I said would happen to her at the end. And I still think it's going to happen and that this is foreshadowing. 100%. I think so. Russell might get to stick around. Mm-hmm. Maybe even Simone. But... Josie's definitely done for. Yeah. I want to keep Priya and Riker as well. Yeah, especially given what we learned about Riker in this episode. We were totally right, and Riker's definitely going to be an asset. Yeah. And Josie likes Clark's body, so she wants to keep it. Hey, that has gay energy? Yeah, but it's so egotistical because she's looking at it herself. She's like, hello, me. Yeah. She's like, "Mm, finally. Well, she did call herself a Ferrari. That's true. And it's like, you know what? Yes, she is. Yeah. Clark can't control where her thoughts go. So Josie is immediately shown the memory cell. She notices that there's a blank space, baby. (laughs) That was a really stupid joke. (laughs) I wrote wrote this like three hours ago and then I forgot about it. Um, So yeah, so sorry about that joke. I wondered why you said it like you didn't even try and do like Taylor Swift. It was just, there's a blank space baby. And I was I thought you were saying there was a drawing of a baby. Uh. And I was like, huh? Blank space comma baby. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. What was it? A blank. There's a blank space comma baby. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. I've got a blank space baby and I'll write your name. But she's not going to write her name. That doesn't make sense. Okay. That's just not what she does. All right. She speculates that Clark is hiding a memory and she's probably physicalized it and is holding it now. Josie thinks Clark is a fake badass, but Clark is a real badass and kills her. Yo, when Josie said, you think you're a badass, I was like, you in danger, girl. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, you think you're a badass. And I'm like, you are literally all talk. One thing that it's like, 
she is all talk, but there's a lot of the things that she says are actually really true. Like, yeah. the fact that she physicalized it and is holding it, she has that. And, like, later, when she, like, guesses what the password is, she's close yeah. to what it actually was. Yeah. Like, it was a pretty heckin' good guess. Josie's really, like, any good, you know, sort of TV villain slash someone who is portrayed as a sociopath but doesn't actually, like, Real sociopathy is much different. She's very in tune to how to read others, you know, because if you understand your victim, then you can manipulate them, right? Mm -hmm. So she understood right away that Clark has a hero complex, but she has a martyr complex, but she actually hates herself. She's like, okay, what can I do with all of these things? And it's drive her to be all of those things at once. Make her sacrifice herself as a martyr and die a hero. Yeah. Like, the genius of that is mm-hmm. incredible. Yeah. I mean, she's had so much practice manipulating people mm-hmm. and convincing people to do stuff. She's she's really, really interesting, very cool character, but she's terrifying. Oh, I, I am living for her. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't wait for her to die a great, like, villain death. Yeah, yeah. I'm nuts about it. It's so fun to see a villain who is a blonde white woman. Oh, yeah, it's really actually really nice. So yeah. cool. Just like uh, with Mount Weather. Uh-huh. The villain was literally the holdover of corporate America or yeah. of like, like the politics of America. So it was an old white guy, you know, yeah. like it's just, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So our friend Kat, who is at Kat M squared, um, pointed this out because duh. Yeah. 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 Josie talks about how much she loves insects. She talks about how she finds them so interesting because they are, they're like merciless and mm-hmm. everything. And Kat pointed out like, Okay, well, makes sense why she likes Murphy. Not only. Oh do my keep- god, I didn't know that was where the sentence was going. You didn't see that tweet? I did, but I didn't know which because she tweets a lot of really like good tweets, mm-hmm. and um, this one wishes Murphy roast. Yeah. Well, we call him a cockroach. Everyone calls him a cockroach, so it's like there's the thing there. But like all the things that she says about insects. Also track with it's, Murphy. It's complete Murphy. So it's very cool. Like, they did that on purpose and it's really interesting. Big Murphy energy. She uses the phrase spidey senses. So that's another thing that she gets from... Like, it's clear... Like, there are so many freaking reboots of every single Spider-Man that it's still going on in 20, 2045. Clark what? is like, what is a spidey sense? <laughs> what? So... But of course, that also tracks with her loving insects. Yeah. Right? And Clark's like, oh my god. Spider-Man is 100% her favorite MCU character, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Did Josie ever need to learn to fight? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Because she doesn't, she fights like someone who's untrained. She, it's like, you're talking a big game for somebody who knows for a fact from Murphy that Clark is a trained fighter and is good at fighting, you know? But Josie's so arrogant and so removed from reality that seeing herself up against someone who has straight up murdered people with her bare hands, she's like, I could take her. And she seems to know so much about it. Like, when she dies, she's like, yeah, I'll just come back. To have only done this two times before. Like, was the six-month-old and Savannah just, like, two examples of the multiple times it's happened before? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah, for sure. That's a lot of deaths. I think that's why Josie's, like, so unhinged. Yeah. She's just died so many times. Right. So, it's interesting. She slams her head in the door, which is, um, brutal. Great death. Very... I feel like that was the death that I wanted McCreary to have, where, like, uh, we got to see the sheer brutality of it. And it, it was very clear, because yes. to this day, I'm like, is McCreary dead? Ooh. It's like, yeah, he is. Yeah, but he is, but what? Show me the receipts. Yeah. Josie doesn't stay dead, though. She comes back out of her door again. Clark runs and finds herself inside the bunker pit. 
Octavia is upset about a lot of things, including Clark leaving Bellamy in the pit to die, which Clark believes she's been forgiven for. O helps Josie run after Clark. Okay, so once again, this is a great manifestation of a lot of fandom debates that, you know, different critics have been having, different fans have been having, which is why hasn't, like, Clark really faced the things that she's done? She's apologized for them, but, like, Clark left Bellamy behind, blah, blah, blah. Does she even care? And it's like, yeah, she cares so much that like a manifestation of Octavia had to tell her it. Mm -hmm. Like that's how afraid of it she was. Right. One thing that I really loved is that I think it's warning collision alert twice. And then like when she's with Maya, it's radiation alert or whatever. So like the alert, like she knows it's going to happen, but um, it's different depending on where she is. So like when it's she's in crazy cool. So like when she's in Josie's mind space and she's about to come in, then it gives us like a bomb threat alert, which is already something that we can glean from that the time. So crazy. And and so that's just that's really interesting. So but the Christmas door, this door that is to Josie's mind space, it looks like a front door, right? Yeah. So it's not the door to the diner because the door to the diner is like in another section that Monty has to yeah, I think pack so. into. So whose door is this? Is just just her family yeah. house's door? I think it's her childhood home. So we know that that bad memory happened during Christmas, but her whole manifestation of the door to her mind space is Christmas themed. So like, was that thing so formative of for her 200 plus years ago that everything about her is Christmas? I think that I think that's entirely possible. Yeah. Because like seeing someone kill themselves in front of you, blaming you for it. Yeah, that would cement that whole thing in your brain for sure. Right. The trauma has a way of doing that. Mm -hmm. And of course, Josie has looked at all of like a few of Clark's memories and like touched them. So she had like a feeling of mm -hmm. what they are. And so her coming back in saying we're back bitches is like one it's of the most, it's so triumphant. Yep. And, and also like taunting. It's really well done. It's very cool. It just, it demonstrates how great a villain Josie is. Mm -hmm. And of course, even Clark's projections hate her, which is so brutal, but I think she did. It's sad because this is what she thinks of Octavia. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, this is how she remembers Octavia. And Octavia hasn't really done much to dissuade her of this notion, of mm -hmm. course. But she also hasn't seen how hard life was for Octavia. I think Clark, of all people, would understand what Octavia did. Yeah. But they haven't really been given time to talk about it at all. Clark asks Maya's help at some point. Like, I have thoughts about, like, the whole Maya scene that's coming up here. But, like, Clark asks Maya for help. I don't think, like, we don't see it, but it, like, kind of happens because it's her brain that's doing it. Yeah. Um, and Maya helps her. But Clark asks Octavia for help, and Octavia doesn't help her, even though she's one of her projections. So she must think so lowly of Octavia that Octavia wouldn't even help her if she asked. Or mm -hmm. she hasn't yet figured out that she doesn't need to ask Octavia for something she theoretically should have been able to make Octavia do it because Octavia was just in her mind anyway right and I think she hadn't figured that out yet right Clark is now in her Mount Weather cell and Maya is here she's all kinds of radiation messed up inside a body bag she blames Clark for the deaths of most of the people who have died on the show including Jasper via Maya's death Clark has an idea, and when Josie enters, Maya takes them to the cave with the rover and sticks the shock collar on Josie. Josie decides to shock herself to death to start over again. Okay, so I have a couple questions. My first comment is, God, I miss this season two Clark look. I love uh, season two. This was peak Clark. We don't talk about the season three dreads. We never will. But I just, I miss this Clark, mm -hmm. like, aesthetic. 
my question is, I forgot my question. I, one thing that really struck me about this scene is that Clark is not remembering Maya the way that she was. No. This is not who Maya was. This, this is Clark's worst fear of how Maya might exactly. feel towards her. This is a manifestation of the grief she feels about Mount Weather specifically. Mm -hmm. But like, if you look back in season two, Maya is not this person. If Clark had said something like, I have to save my people... I know Maya would be like, okay, well, I have to save my people too. But at the same time, she'd be like, I understand that yeah. there's no way to save me. Like when they put that hazmat suit on her after everything was uh, irradiated in Mount Weather and everything. I mean, I think that was earlier if I remember season yeah, two properly. But at one point they did put a hazmat suit on her and yeah, they just they did were, not have enough. They were first escaping, right? I think yeah. Maya realized and understood that there was no way that she was going to be making out, making it out alive exactly. there. And I think that she was at peace with that by the end. Like yeah. when she said, none of us is innocent, that was her final line and everything. Yep. Clark, this is not who Maya was. No. So it's interesting that Clark manifests Maya and when that's not who she was. Like just sort of the savior complex that Clark has is tempered so brutally by her own guilt over what she's had to do. And the thing that kind of broke my heart is that she holds herself responsible for Jasper's death because of Maya. Right. When someone else's mental health, you know, in a world where therapy is available, is not your responsibility in terms of like, you know, if, if they kill themselves, that's not your fault. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's a chemical imbalance in their brain that happened either due to trauma or just anything, you know? And the fact that, of course, Clark doesn't have access to this information, so how would she know any differently? Yeah. But how did you feel about Clark blaming herself for Jasper? I I think it makes sense. Yeah? Um, It makes sense for Clark. Do I think it's Clark's fault? No. No. It definitely does track with Clark, though. Um, One of the things, like, when season four ended is everyone was like, we need more closure with Jasper. We need more stuff with Jasper. And season five, especially at the beginning there, when Clark was all by herself and she found Jasper's yeah. goggles and everything, she had that and everything. And I feel like she felt that now, like, at that point, and now is when she is finally able to talk to somebody about it and yeah. grapple with it. Because she was alone yeah. when she was having those feelings before. So, yeah, I I think that if Maya were, wherever Maya is, if she was, like, looking down upon what Jasper was going through in season four, she would feel like it was her fault. Yeah. So it's, I definitely don't think that Maya would blame Clark for Jasper's death. I think that, and I don't think it's Maya's fault either, but if Maya were there she would probably blame herself yeah so that's another reason why this just is not maya that clark is is seeing here and i mean that's the other interesting thing about this episode is this episode sort of is you know the therapy of clark griffin mm -hmm. you know like this is clark going to her equivalent of therapy so she's not only facing all of the things she fears the most all of the nastiest thoughts she's ever had about herself but she is then turning that into okay well how do I find any part of this that is not only salvageable, but useful to me? Mm -hmm. And she turns it into like a motivation. Like she makes peace with what she needed to make peace with. And then she found strength in it, which is I think the first time that Clark has really gotten an opportunity to find any sort of advantage in any of the things that have happened to her. Right. Or that she's done. I really loved the moment where she was like, I ha I did it to save my people. And Maya kind of cuts her off and she's like, I know. Like, like she's talking about something else, but she's like, yeah, no kidding. You have to save your people. That's everything. You always say that over and over yeah. and over again. I died because you had to save your people. And like, I'm just going to keep saying in this scene, I don't think Maya would feel that way at all. But of course, this is a projection of Maya, yeah. not actually Maya. 
Um, she says that you've killed more people than you've saved. Do you think that's true? Yeah, Clark's body count is over like a thousand now. Yeah, I think it's true as well. Uh, Which yikes. is not nice to think about. How do you feel about the um, phrase, thank you, melty girl? I think it is genius comedy. Hmm. Yeah. I think Josie is um, unstable. But then Clark finally sees who Maya actually would be. And of course, Maya doesn't have like all the radiation stuff anymore. And she helps. Yep. Um, So in this cave with the rover, where is that exactly? Is that where she chalked Maddie? Yes. It is? Okay, great. So she had to take her there to get the uh, shock collar. Which, theoretically, she wouldn't have had to, because in her own mind space, she could have manifested it at any time. Yeah, she's just not ready to do that sort of thing, so she's like, where do I know there will be yeah. one? Here, so. And also, it's Clark, like, she loves a plan. Yeah. You know? So Josie puts, after the shot collar is on her, she's like, I can't leave the cave. And Clark's like, haha, you're trapped. And she's like, no, I'm not. And she, like, full on just, like, that was, yikes. That was, um, one of, I think, the most graphic things the show's ever done in terms of just complete horror. Yeah. I loved it, Mm -hmm. but wow, was that scary. Yeah. Josie's back and she brings in a projection of Russell to help her search for Clark. Russell finds her, so he turns back into Josie. Clark tries to confuse Josie by not going into the airlock where Jake died, but Josie doesn't fall for it. They're both in the dropship clearing, we think. Yeah. We think that's where it is. Um, And it's filled with the memories that she is the most guilty about. There's a box in there with a combo. Josie tries 100, but it doesn't work. Clark surprises her, and Josie grabs the actual knife Clark used to kill Finn. Josie shows Clark the memory she has of Bellamy accepting the deal to keep their people safe. Clark agrees to give the memory to Josie. The combo was 102 because of Bellamy and Raven. Okay, so you had some thoughts on... Yeah. Yeah, so... When I was watching it, my, I like immediately was like, why is she bringing in a project? Like, why am I seeing, why am I seeing J.R. Bourne and not Sean McGuire right now? Yeah. Why is she bringing us in a projection of her dad, the way she knows him now, rather than the way, than the dad that she knew in her first life that she knew for the longest, I presume. I mean, I feel like there's two ways to think about this is one logistically, you know, he was probably already in town, the easy Right. to cast him. Mm-hmm. In another, I think maybe, maybe even though Josie treasures her own first body, it doesn't really matter. Well, yeah, I guess. Um, for everyone around her? Russell's first body was the one that killed everybody. Yeah, so maybe she has some trauma over that as well. Maybe right. that face makes her sad. Yeah, I mean, it was like one of the first faces she saw when she first did like come back alive mm-hmm. and it was like, I saved you. So who's to say? Um, My other thing was like, oh, maybe it's because Clark doesn't know the original Russell. Like, she wasn't there when they watched the video because she was already Josie at that point. Yeah. So maybe that's the only... But but it's not about Clark. It's about Josie. Josie's the one who made him, right? So it's... So I'm not sure. Yeah, damn, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not sure. Points were made. Oh, my other note. She must remember what he looks like because of the picture and the video we just saw. Yeah. But she wasn't there for the video. She was there for the picture, though. She yes, looked she at was. the picture. So I'm not sure. Um, so she used Russell to look at two places at once, and then when found her, morphed back into Josie. So I guess both Russell and Josie were both Josie, and then they were running around, and then whoever found Clark would just, like, turn into one again, right? Well, it's the same thing with Clark and Monty. Yeah. Like, that wasn't really Monty. So can you explain the book thing that the writers mentioned? Like, the thing where, why she has a book? Did oh, you yeah. see this? Yes, I did. So we had a sequence of Clark leading Josie into death traps that got cut for time. That's why Josie suddenly has a book in her hand when she spots the airlock. She came in with it in one of her regenerations. Okay. So I would like to see that sequence though, because I love seeing things like that where it's just repetitive, like death, 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 death. 
I hope that, first of all, are you okay? That was was a hell of a sentence. Um, but also, uh, I hope that, like, all the deleted scenes this season are, like, just from this episode. (laughs) That would be so cool. Yeah. God, I love this episode. In this clearing, which we think is the dropship clearing or something. I think it's either, like, the dropship clearing or, like, maybe where she and Lexa hid from Pana? Remember when they fell asleep in the field? Oh, d- didn't they hide from her from Pauna in a zoo? No, but remember afterward? I feel like I don't remember Clark that. Clark took a nap and Lexa was watching over well. her. I don't know. At some point, it's it, it's in there somewhere. That's what I. Okay. That was my other thought. I thought maybe it could be the clearing where they killed, where she killed Finn, but because just because Lexa's throne is there, which yeah. was there, and also that knife was there. So I thought maybe that's where it was. But either way, that was adjacent to the dropship. So I think it was a nondescript clearing just because, you know, Ton DC has been long torn down right. and Arcadia is long gone and Polis is long gone. So they were like, okay, a clearing in mm-hmm. DC will be fine. Right. And so we're getting like sounds of like bad memories of her life. Like this was, this is the, the clearing here is the equivalent of the diner. For Josie, correct? Fully, yes. Okay. But it seems like Josie's only has one real memory, which is interesting that Clark has so many of them. So yeah, they tried to get Pana back. <laughs> that was another thing that they tried to to write in. I think that one like was almost 90% for comedy, but I'm not going to say that I wouldn't have loved that. Yeah. Because that was one of the funniest parts of the show to me was, oh yeah, giant ape? Mm-hmm. Okay. So reminding us that Josie is... From not necessarily our time, but like close to our close time. to our time is her saying Yahtzee. Yahtzee. It's like you could just say bingo, but Yahtzee. So when she said Yahtzee, all I heard was Demi Moore saying it from Charlie's Angels Two Full Throttle. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're gay, you know what I'm talking about. So Josie has the knife that Clark killed Finn with, which is already like that was crazy. I honestly love when we bring up Finn. I know that everybody hates Finn, but, like, I just love hearing about him because he died so early in the thing. Yeah. Like, I remember in our Lost season three podcasts, and by that I don't mean we were talking about Lost, I'm talking about how they we are lost. made season three podcasts with a different um, network, a different podcast network, and they are gone and lost now. Um, but I remember talking about it, and when Lincoln died, we were like, I know that, like, we think about Finn, and we're like, that guy was forever ago. Yeah. Like, who even is that? And I was like, I can't believe that one day we're gonna think about Lincoln like that. And we do. And I sit here being like, who's even Lincoln at this like, point? man, remember Lincoln? He's gone, you know? I remember talking about that when Lincoln died, being like, I don't, like, it's crazy that we, yep. that at some point we're gonna get to the point where it's like, who's Lincoln? Yeah. He, cause he made such a big impact on the show when he was alive, but now it's like, he was nothing. Well, it's like, I th- not that I, he was nothing, sorry, but no, but you I, know what I mean. I do think that's kind of what has happened here is the show has not kept Lincoln alive for Octavia the way it has kept Lexa alive for Clark. Right. And I think that definitely is one of its failures. Mm. For sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I think that, like, Octavia, who was dating Lincoln, or who was with Lincoln, has definitely died, and it's been a different Octavia. But the Clark that was with Lexa is still... Holding on to that. Yeah. You know. Um, so Clark legit didn't think that Bellamy would have taken the deal. That hurt a lot. Which is weird because, like, Murphy was, like, adamant that Clark would have been, like, I hope you do take the deal. Like, and, and at some point, and Clark gets to the point where she's like, yeah, you're right. Like, he should have taken it. Everything's fine. But- well, Clark of old, maybe. Mm-hmm. Like, especially season two Clark. Or maybe season three Clark. I think she would have taken that deal. But... 
I think who Clark thinks Bellamy is, because remember, she doesn't really know this Bellamy very well. Yeah, it has not been very long yeah. that she's even been with this Bellamy. Yeah, and I think she thought of the sentimentality more than she did strategy. Right. And that kind of sucks. Yeah. But at the same time, like, what are you going to do? You know, Bellamy did make the right decision for all of their people. Just like Lexa did at Mount Weather. I mean, everyone always argues about whether Lexa made the right decision. But at the end of the day, I truly believe Clark would have made the same one. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And even they had a discussion about that as well. So I think this is definitely the same kind of decision. You know, Lexa at Mount Weather, Bellamy in Sanctum. It's the same kind of decision where do you leave Clark out to dry? Mm-hmm. And in this case, yeah, because it was what was best for everyone else. Right. But Lexa left Clark out to dry because it was best for her and her people. Mm-hmm. And Bellamy was like, we're doing this in memoriam of Clark. Yeah. So it was different. Maybe that's the thing that tripped Clark up. Mm-hmm. Not the fact that he did it, but for the reasons. Yeah, right. So she brought the book of her yesterday oh. memories. And, oh, she was like, Maddie can go to school. So my question was, Maddie would have to go to school in which compound? Like, what are the rules of the compound here? Like, Maddie would be able to go to school. Does she hang out in your compound? Or does she have to go to school by herself in their compound? Or, like, what? what how much are your compounds? Yeah, how much, how much crossover will they yeah, have? Yeah, so th- I thought that was kind of weird. I was like, okay, but aren't we going to be separate? I'm confused. Maybe she thinks they'll probably start their own school system, which they might. Yeah. We talked a little bit about this already, but Josie really did have the right password. Like, she understands Clark. Yeah. Um, she just forgot Bellamy and Raven. She understands Clark, but that doesn't mean that she will ever not underestimate her. Right. Um, so I only saw three things in this box. Yeah. The memory, Jasper's goggles, and Jake's video. Which was interesting. Interesting that those are the three things that she doesn't, like, that she wants to keep super, super hidden away. I wonder why. Or it's just sort of things that she's never dealt with I guess like I don't I'm not sure I don't even know how to theorize about this like is it does she think that she's responsible for Jasper's death and responsible for her dad's death because she said that Abby was responsible like over and over and over again well I think with Clark she can say other people are responsible all day long but she internalizes everything right so it could be people whose death she feels responsible for it could be uh men whose name starts with a J could be you know could you never be. know yeah um could Murphy have told Josie this oh I understand could Murphy have told Josie about the EMP he was there when they did it to Abby right and I love Murphy but um I think sometimes he might be it's not that Murphy's it's not that Murphy's stupid. It's just that I don't know if Murphy was paying attention to all of that. Okay. he was busy pumping a heart. Counterpoint? Uh-huh. He did remember, what was the quote from last episode? The cabbie quote? Now we get First our humanity. survived, now we yeah. get our humanity back. He remembered that. Okay. So he could have remembered. I mean, the EMP was like not a quote. It was like a main thing that they were like trying to do. And like, it was six years ago. But then Josie would have to admit to Murphy that Clark was still alive. And then Murphy would be like, my allegiances have changed and why would murphy even think of that yeah like in telling she would have to ask him yeah he like he would have to go into the mechanics of here's how this worked here's how here's how this works. which he doesn't know josie is not even interested in that information in Mm -hmm. the first place right interesting which she should be Mm -hmm. because like that's cool science stuff hello hello okay yep 
Clark is sitting in her home with Maddie, drawing, when Monty shows up. He is disappointed in Clark for giving up and letting herself die. Monty convinces her to keep fighting. They're going to go into Josie's mind space together and figure out a way to control Clark's actual body. So, no one was expecting Monty? I was not. Um, I kind of wish it had been Wells. Yeah, you can see that it should, like, it was going to be Wells. I love Monty, obviously. He's, like, been in my top three forever. And I love Chris with my whole heart. He's such a nice guy. But we, like, just saw Monty. So it would have been more fun, like, having Maya or, like, and having Ab- Allie and Jake and stuff. It'd be kind of more fun to have somebody who was, who's back farther. Okay, but counterpoint. But I love, obviously, I love Monty. I'm if just had it been Wells, some people would have been like, I wish it had been Monty. That's true. That's there, definitely yeah. true. There was never going to be any pleasing anyone on this one. That's true. So why season one Monty? Why is it season one Monty and not the Monty that Clark knows most recently? I think because that Monty was the most innocent. Yeah, he was the highest of the morality. Like, was he in jail? Yes. <laughs> but... <laughs> But she she saw him as like the in the highest regard, I yeah. think. That was that was the Monty that could solve any problem, who was a little untouched by trauma by then. Mm-hmm. You know? It was Monty as I think Clark wanted to remember him, which was happier. Yeah. Okay, so when she was sad, she heard raining, right? Yep. She hears birds chirping now because she's at peace. Which is so sweet. Like she was like, okay, I'm ready to go. Yeah. And it's like, that's so sweet, but also No. So obviously the back of her mind doesn't want her to give up. And it's also interesting that when she's at peace and she hears birds chirping and she sees Monty, she herself puts herself back in her season one costume. Right. Oh, interesting. I didn't even notice that. I gotta go back and look. She's got her little braid. She's she's in her season one costume. I gotta go back and look at that. She's gone back to the beginning, Mm -hmm. you know, before everything went bad. Right. And she's also gone back to the place she last remembers being happy, which was in that gas station with Maddie. So everybody other than Jake is like, has been like arguing with Clark. And obviously it's just her arguing with herself. Mm-hmm. But this is the only argument that she actually has a defense against, which How I think so? is really interesting. Well, like when she's yelling at Octavia, she's like, oh, well, I thought, mm, yeah, no, I know, uh, but, uh. and when she's talking to Maya, she's like, oh, I feel bad, but like, oh, my people. Uh. Mm-hmm. And then Monty, she's like, Actually, this is why I did it, and this is why, and she has, like, concise thoughts mm-hmm. about it. So, yeah. Okay. Interesting. I just think that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay? Mm-hmm. They enter Josie's mind space, which is a giant library of books upon books of memories. Monty finds a special collections room that's locked. He starts hacking into it immediately. Clark takes a look at Josie 7. Okay, so the thing that makes me really happy mm-hmm. is Monty hacking... Clark knows how to do this now? This is very cool. So one of my thoughts about this was it's kind of like Sense8, where you bring in the people you know can help you. It's just interesting because in Sense8, it's like they're actual people who have these actual talents Mm -hmm. and actual, like, know-how that you bring in to help you. Um, But, like, with this, it's like... Here's what I learned from Monty. Yeah. Yeah. Like, not even necessarily I can do this, but, like, who knows what the heckin' rules are here? You know? Like, did Josie bring in Russell because Russell was good at finding Clark? Or, like, good at talking to Clark? Or, like, why did she Why did she bring in Russell and not her mom, who it seems like she's closer with? So in this regard, it's like, she want, she needed to hear it from Monty because she considers Monty to be so high in morality yeah. and, like, the person who like we kind of said last episode, like delivered them to this place and who has the highest hopes for them. Yeah. She like, it's important just like when Murphy and Bellamy were talking about him, it's important to think about Monty and what he would have wanted. 
So it's interesting. It's like she needed him for that, but then she also brings him into this and it just kind of like works out that he also knows how to hack things. Do you think that Monty represents the optimist in Clark that just has been long buried? Sure, yeah. I think that might be also plays into why he's season one. Mm-hmm. You know, is that yeah. is more of the optimist. Yeah, definitely. So Clark's body is Josie the Eighth, then. Yes. Yes. Okay. Interesting. Whenever it's not seven, I'm like, hmm. So I think it's so interesting that some of the books are for the same Josie, but they're different looking. So there are some books that it's like they're all for Josie seven, but like some of them are like all black, and other of others of them are like white with some red, and then other ones are like blue. Like it's Do you really think interesting. They represent different emotions. I don't know. It's really cool because I thought, oh, those must be different Josies, but they're not. They're all the same Josie. It was interesting. Yeah, that was. I really liked that, and I like that. Like even though Josie has a sense of organization, she also has a sense of like she's not too fussy about it you know like she's organized but she's not meticulous Mm -hmm. so she'll keep things like in order but they don't all have to be the exact same they can all communicate different emotions i don't i like that's what's happening yeah i know we were talking about how it's like it doesn't make sense for like while they're on ice for them to like be in here because they wake up and she was already screaming you know and we're like oh you're not falling you're not falling Mm -hmm. but it's like she seems to know so much about it that it's like it makes me feel like they just hang out in here But it could be also that it's something that she has really explored in her waking hours, you know, just the idea, like different manifestations of it. Maybe she's even tried to like induce it. Mm. something like that but I feel like it's right she does mention lucid dreaming yeah so I think it's something that maybe she studied because she loves to learn Mm -hmm. right and if you have all of eternity then learn everything exactly Clark could look at her Josie like she could look at Josie the eighth and like look at all of her memories like the book is right there yep but she obviously needs to learn more important things I guess which is interesting because I mean I guess she does get that with the Bellamy memory Mm mm-hmm but she could learn so much from just touching those books. Yeah. Josie is older now, and by that I mean younger, as this is the Josie before she got put into Clark. She's still painting her first face and sitting with Kaylee. Kaylee argues with Josie about Isaac and drugs her with sleeping berries. Kaylee pushes her out the window. Um, okay, so first of all, justice for me, I was right. Mm-hmm. She did get pushed, and it was murder. And I went back and looked, and like, I was like, my brain totally said like, my girl was was pushed off a cliff. Like, that was- Same! My whole brain was like, she got pushed off a cliff. And I went and looked, and all he says is she- What did- uh, She died in a fall six years yeah, ago. Yeah, she fell. I don't know why. Like, I wonder- I didn't look, but I wonder- What in our brains went, oh yeah, when you fall, it's off a cliff. Like, I what thought, is this, cartoons? I thought she was on, like, an expedition or something, but they never say that. No, we just kind of- She was, like, out maybe, foraging. Maybe we manifested that in each other. We might have done. Yeah, we're yeah. just like, yeah, she definitely fell off a cliff what cliff so Josie seven lived a while like longer than we were anticipating because like yeah 200 years divided by whatever like when we were trying to do the math is not very long at all even if you don't have hosts for a long time I'm not sure so but they were in these hosts for obviously 20 years or so yeah so is Joe juice alcoholic or what I think so it seems like it because she's like oh it's weird tonight right so that means it must be a little weird sometimes (laughs) she was like this is hitting different and I'm like isn't it (laughs) so if Josie is also an artist why does she keep her stuff in books and not paintings is just because it's more organized maybe she started like that yeah I think so started with paintings and it just got more organized over the years I guess no I think she started with books and paintings never even like I think she thinks of art and science as two completely different things whereas I think for Clark those things are very intertwined you know Mm -hmm. as evidenced by how she drew the Mount Weather map yeah you know the Netflix subtitles that gave me that those Chinese words Mm -hmm. um Kaylee says they're supposed to mean sleeping berries but if 
uh, Netflix is correct. It actually means, speaking of sleep. What the hell? I don't know. Anyway, thought that was kind of cool. Okay. Uh, Kaylee is still pissed off about Isaac, which at I that mean, point fair. was pretty recent. Yeah. Because Josie looks the same in both flashes. Mm-hmm. No one likes Oblation but you. Can you talk to me? I think we've learned a lot about it now, but do you want to talk about exactly what Oblation was? Because we kind of had like an idea before, but now we're like pretty sure we yeah, figured that out. Yeah, I actually, so I was reading Sam's article, who is Sam KCC. She writes at Telltale TV. And if you listen to this podcast, you probably already knew that. Also, I date her. She was the one who had to explain it to me because your girl is not always the most intelligent. She was like, it's basically selective breeding in that you are only allowed to reproduce if you carry the nightblood gene. If you don't carry the nightblood gene, you're a null and you cannot reproduce and you will go nowhere in society. Mm-hmm. And so Josie was like, well, what is even the point of having the nulls? We should just kill them. So she left a baby to die in the offering grove. Seems like it wasn't the first time either. Yeah. Um, yeah. But this further, like, makes me wonder what would happen in the offering grove if it was offered a nightblood. Right. Yeah. That I, I genuinely wonder what would happen to the quote unquote earth. If like yeah. the moon, I guess. What I would think. happen to Sanctum if it got night blood? Right. <sighs> so many questions. So because what what's happening is that she's worried that because the the primes are the people who care the most about having nightbloods, having hosts keep coming back. Yeah. So like if they let nulls continue on in society, the people who aren't nulls will mate with the nulls because I mean they're around and they're not gonna be like only nulls can mate with nulls, yeah. right? Because they don't care if there's hosts or not. They don't care. Yeah. So yeah. So obviously Josie's the only one who's like wanna keep going. And if they can't pass the gene on, what use are they? Yeah, exactly. Um but it seems like Riker is always against that sort of thing. Like you're starting to sound like Riker. Yeah, okay, so is Riker Riker secretly part of a resistance or did he, you know, did he help inspire Gabriel? Like what's going on here? I think maybe he's just like a a nice guy who's like, this is not the way. Well, nice. Yeah. Nicer. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, do you think that the Riker that we get here, like in the present timeline, over 27 years old? Yeah, I would say so. Okay, so he was still around. He was like just just like 21, 22, had just become Riker again at this yeah, point. Yeah, I would say um, so. Because it was six years ago. Yeah. At this point. Okay. I like that it's six years ago because we got that time jump that was six years. Yep. So six years continues to be a... So interesting. Thing. I never even thought about that. Yeah. We see Isaac at the offering grove. He's trying to save a baby that Josephine has cast out. Isaac seems to save these babies and take them to Gabriel, who then raises them to be against the primes. Isaac argues with her, but she just kills him and leaves him there. So at some point, I know going into asking this question that I'm not right, but at some point, did Xavier just have to raise a bunch of babies? He's like, I can't- Zabriel? Zabriel? Zabriel sitting there like, I can't handle all these babies. This is so many babies. Is Maybe. I mean, how many babies, how many babies are not? You exactly. Know. How I often mean, does it happen? We knew it, there were enough gnolls that they could all go on a hunt for, you know, Dioza and Octavia and Rose and everything. That's true. I mean, at some point, like, they start growing up so that they can help take care of the babies as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the start, it just cracks me up to think of Zabriel looking after a bunch of babies by himself. I have a logistical question. 
Okay. Slash a headcanon to make my question make sense. Uh-huh. So my question is, how... It, okay, so stay with me. How is Isaac with Kaylee slash Kaylee's pet if he is a null? My way of making sense of that, just because it doesn't make sense if he was cast out as a baby, how are he and Kaylee hanging out? Because Kaylee should be in Sanctum and Isaac should not be in Sanctum because he's a null. But he wasn't cast out. But he, So, okay, so the way that I'm going to make that make sense is that this is like a recent thing where Josie was yeah. like... Hey, who's a null? You get out, right? And he was already like an adult who was with Kaylee. And I think that Josie's basically been doing it in secret. Because like, as this is the thing that finally came full circle with Abby reading that book, is that for a long time, this was just theoretical to Josie. Right. And also proves, by the way, that Abby had no idea about uh, the body swapping just about the horrible things that Josie was doing to babies. Mm -hmm. So just pointing that out. Anyway, um, I think that Either it's recent or... Mm. That's like the only explanation. Because yeah. if, if it had been like a, a years long thing... But it would have to be because all those grown-ups are grown-ups. What do you mean all those grown-ups? The people who are around Zabriel are grown... like Yeah, so women. it has to be a, a long-term thing. So unless... That, yeah, it doesn't I make think, sense. I think only the Primes knew that oblation was happening. So then they just take the babies of the people who are normal people and they test them and if they're bad, they're like, your baby died. That's possible, yeah. Okay. I don't know. Interesting. And at the same time, I don't think Isaac was a null. I'm pretty sure he says that like, we are not worthless, oh. right? Well, I think maybe he he might have even been Kaylee's guard. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yes, that is smart. Yes. Yeah. Yep, 100%. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. But yeah, when did she start oblation? Because they have to be... Okay, so if they're like, you're a null, either like... I wonder if it's like squibs where it's so shameful that like they give the parents like an opportunity where they're like, do you want us to offer your kid to the offering grove or do you want them to be a janitor or guard? And if like, that's fair. And if two parents are like, this is so shameful, like just get rid of it. Yeah. Then, you know, that happens in real yeah. life. So who knows? How do they know if they're nulls or not? You said they probably have like a blood test. Yeah. yeah. Isaac saves null babies that Josie gives to the Offering Grove. So that means all children of Gabriel are nulls then. Yes. Yeah. Other than Gabriel. Yeah. Slash Xavier. Gabriel. We have not seen bleed yet. Mm. Um, How does she choose whether they get offered or become guards? We kind of just talked about that. Only nulls can be offered, question mark. Because the only other people we've seen. They're too valuable to offer. Are like the only other people who we've seen offered are guards, which means that they are nulls. They were nulls. Right? Yep. Sorry, Jade. Can Xavier still be Gabriel? I think definitely yes, because they mentioned that Gabriel does have a host. That he has been in a host. Latest host must be like 95. So he definitely has one. He could, he could be going back in time inside Xavier. Does Josie know about the time stuff outside of Sanctum? Okay, okay. Two theories here. Okay. Yes. There's that one. Or at some point, Gabriel somehow found a willing host. Mm -hmm. And how would he find a willing host on that planet that wasn't already known to the Primes? Maybe she messed up and one of the nulls it wasn't? I don't know. That's possible because... If the children of Gabriel knew that Xavier, the body of Xavier, was a prime, they never would have followed him. Oh, but maybe that's why he... Because they did say the old man disappeared. Right. And then he, Xavier appeared to hide among them. Right. So actually, yeah, they would have recognized if he was a prime if any of them are new. And one goes back and forth to children of Gabriel all the time. So, well, when so they went, where did he get a willing body? When they've tried to take Delilah and Rose... 
were they like full on gonna kill them the whole time? Or yes. was it just like, we're keeping them? I think the only person who didn't want to kill them was Xavier. Right. Slash Zabriel. Who's a good person who doesn't want to kill anybody. Well, has had a change of heart. He was cool about right. killing people in the beginning. Oh, majorly cool with it. But if we go with our theory that I truly believe is actually has merit now, that Xavier is Gabriel, he either found a new body. And you know, it doesn't have to be Xavier. It's just that they keep calling him the old man. Right. And we all know that he's alive. And they said he would have to be, what, 97 now? 95, she says. But that that's was six even, years ago. Yeah. So, so like he would have to be over 100. That's not happening. Unless he's going back in time over and over again. Because I don't exactly. think that Josie knows about all this time stuff outside of Sanctum because she doesn't hang out there. Exactly. So. And, and no one's going to tell her because the only people who know are cogs and she isn't gonna like she doesn't talk to them they don't want to talk to her i feel like we're gonna get the answer in the next episode because in the trailer for the next episode someone is running through the green of an anomaly and mm. it looks like a small figure okay so it could be someone who de-aged right we I, we're gonna i feel we're so close now i yeah. feel like we're gonna figure it out josie told kaylee that isaac gave himself to the Offering Grove. Liar. Like, oh, sure. Okay. That sounds real. Um, And she says, your spirit shall live eternal, which seems, which like is a way to make the nulls feel good about giving themselves up to the Offering Grove, I guess. is like, your spirit will be part of nature now. You're helping us. So I that guess. was a lie. Yeah. It's lying. Is what you do lying? Mm -hmm. Yes. Monty gets into the locked door and when they walk in, they find it's a simple 1945 diner. Nice. Dioza is on a newspaper. She's been captured. Becca is on a magazine as a genius. Josie is studying for a test with her friend Olivia when this dude named Dave comes in. He asks Josie some weird questions, and when she makes it clear that she doesn't want to hang out with him, he starts freaking out and shoots himself in front of her. Obviously, this is her worst memory. Josie herself runs in, yelling at them to get out, which wakes her up. Okay. Well, she fights Clark, and then she wakes up. So the... For, I, we'll talk about Dioza and we'll talk about Becca. Yeah. But I just want to say the first question that Dave asked, I was like, that you are who I think you are, which is a toxic man. Which was the first question he asked. Do you remember? Um, I thought you were going to go to the water rally. Mm. And I was like, why are you keeping track of her movements? Mm. Especially because when he came in, she seemed uncomfortable. And it's just like, you know, that instinctive thing where you can tell when another woman is uncomfortable because she's being hunted by a man. Mm -hmm. It Like the, the body movements were so good that I was like, oh, okay, this man makes her uncomfortable. Right. And so like, it just kept escalating. I was like, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no. And I was like, this is going to end in either he shoots everyone in the diner or he shoots himself. Which is so funny because... I had a had a completely different idea of him when when he until until his mannerisms completely changed because they were shooting him differently. Like everyone yeah. else was very uncomfortable and everyone was like, Ugh. but the way they were shooting him, they were doing like close ups. They were showing like his eyes sparkled and he would like smile nicely and everything. And I was like, oh okay. And then it like and then they changed it right. Mm -hmm. So it's so interesting how much you can do like acting wise. And um, camera-wise, that can totally change everything. And, and we were so also cool. focusing on two different things. Yeah. I was focusing on Josie's reactions and what he was saying. You were focusing on his physicality. Yeah. Which is, I mean, of course you're an actor. Of course you're going to be doing that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the minute he was like, I thought you were going here. And she was like, well, there were too many people. Okay, Allie. Yeah, I know, right? As soon as you said that, I was like, <gasps> Yeah. And then he just kind of kept inquiring as to her whereabouts and being like, why aren't you here? And like, then, well, why don't you just turn me down? And I'm like, oh, you all yeah, I know. No. As soon as it started being like, okay, well, I get it. I'm like, whoa, never mind. Like, yeah, you're like, 
I truly like you saw murder coming, mm-hmm. and I love. I thought, yeah, I fully yeah. thought he was going to kill them, and I love the commentary because this is a society we live in. Like, this is not like an exaggeration of like what could happen. This literally happens to women every single day, mm-hmm. which is a, a man is rejected by a woman, and so to retaliate, he either murders her, murders other people, or murders himself, and like it, it, it happens daily. So I love that they did this. I love that it was a white guy. I love that his name was Dave. <laughs> I was like, who do you expect to shoot something up? A guy named Dave. Apologies to all other Daves, just by the way. But like, it fit, you Mm -hmm. know? It was like, if his name was Keith, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. You look like a Keith. But like, this is a reality for women. And I love that a show that has so many women in it that is helmed by women that like, or like is stars, you know, majority women has, you know, almost like, I think... 75% like female writing staff like they were like yeah this happens every day so Josie's most traumatic memory is of toxic masculinity that makes perfect sense Mm -hmm. I loved it yeah it was hard to watch knowing how real it is yeah it was really strange seeing um something like that I I was kind of like brought out of it a little bit to be honest because this problem is so current and so relevant right now and we hardly ever see problems like that in this show because this show is like so far out there in a completely different realm Mm -hmm. than this sort of thing so that's why it was kind of like jarring and i think it's because like the hundred i mean does it always succeed in this no but it exists in a space where sexism doesn't play as big a role in the societal structures Mm -hmm. whereas the time that josie's from it defines it right and maybe because we're just not used to seeing that in this world it kind of maybe just completely jarred you out of it yeah which you know makes sense but also it's like damn that sucks yeah you know the, the rave is really going yeah the fist pump that monty does at the beginning when he goes yes that's from so cute that's from 101 i think yeah when when jasper gets across the the gorge or the river and he goes yes so I thought that was, that was so cute. cute. Um, Christmas Diner, Dioza Trial. Got her. Um, so what the heck? So this is the Boston Daily Capsule. So Boston. It is from Tuesday, December 5th, 2043. Oh, I've been saying 2045, haven't I? I don't know if you if you did. I said 2045. Anyway, 2043. Whatever. Exclusive got her inside the trial of the century. What did so she pose? Did she pose for this picture? They're like, or is this her mugshot? I think that's her mugshot, and she just knows how to serve looks. She just smiled through her mugshot. Us Respect. talking about a terrorist serving looks. Oh, we are the problem. So this is where Dioza is from. She looks like pretty much the same. Could be a little bit younger, but I think that I really think that does put her in like our yeah. time frame, like our uh, our generation. Yeah. So she she's is a still a millennial. I love that. She's a millennial. Her. She uses 80s slang and she's a millennial. Mm-hmm. Stay frosty. Like, what the heck oh, here did Dioza do? I mean, all we really got was that she... I don't even remember. I mean... She, she she led an army and then she turned the army against somebody, I think, or something? I can't remember. I mean, okay, but go with me on this. Because we saw here that in, you know, 20 years from now, which is very realistic, sexism is alive and well. Mm-hmm. You know, violent misogyny is alive and well. I think Dioza might have been someone who became a terrorist because the system that she was working in was very anti-woman, um, considering that is what is happening to the world right now. It does make me wonder if she was perhaps um, overthrowing something mm-hmm. and failed. So she's doing some math and then she is reading Becca, like I'm magazine that Becca is on and it's called Technology and Motion. Some of the things it says, free software, see inside, the next gen laptop, 20 pages of expert computer training, sample rendering micro 2043, input devices, A300 memory tested, shopping trackers, we test 20 online apps. 
computer, video game, games, audiovisual, communications, buyer's guide to build your own laptop, plus developing your tech from coding. And the big one says the Franco file, just a regular day. Usually it will say like the person's name and learning some things. Like I'd love to know Becca's last name. I think that's Becca's last name. Oh, the Franco file, Becca, Becca Franco. Yeah. All right, well, there it is. Yeah. Because that's the only, because usually it would say what their name was. Becca Franco. Interesting. Which is, or Frank, or there's some, yeah. I no, it's, it's got to be Franco. Which is weird, because I thought we already knew Becca's last name. No, we all call her Promheta. Becca Promheta. That's right, we get it. Okay, so that's her name. All right, well, there it is. Um, is. I'd love, I wish we had, we learned more about Becca. We're gonna. Using that magazine, but, but once again, that doesn't make sense because Allegis would have... Something about the 80s? What did you say it was before? Oh, that the none of these timelines fit. Yeah. Like, I remember doing the math and I think yeah. 601 where I was like, what the hell? None of the... The math of the timelines doesn't fit, but... um, Whatever. I'm just... Honestly, I'm just letting it go. I don't care. So, Josie doesn't want to go on this mission with her parents. So, her parents want to go and she doesn't. Yeah. Okay. They talk about how gross their professor is, which is already, like, foreshadowing that some toxic gross masculinity is going to happen right now. Her friend is named Olivia. I went and I checked on IMDb. It seems like Josie, like you said, knows that he's creepy because her face is literally like, ugh, already, you know? What he was talking about was a water rationing protest. So are they protesting the fact that water is being rationed or that water needs to be rationed? Right. All both make sense. Because, like, from what we can tell, the environment is already a mess outside. Yeah. Like, they're talking about dust storms. Like there's people bombs. Have, yeah, there's bombs. Like, they're in the middle of, like, a war zone, mm-hmm. kind of. Like, and everyday life is still going on, which makes sense. Yeah. Because it's humanity. I don't know. Like, it, it has to be wartime rationing. Right. It has to be. Yeah. Yeah, he says it's really dusty outside. She says too many people, which, of course, is Becca's thing. So this is before... Sorry. Allie's thing. So this is before Allie has even happened. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, so I assume she read that in a, in the magazine, maybe. Or it was just, they have similar philosophies. Right. Um, dude bro thinks he's owed something, has a gun. That is terrifying. Thanks. The one thing I was thinking about that was how lucky Olivia was to survive that because yeah. she was like right beside him. Like if that bullet had gone through the other side and hit her. My whole thing was that I was surprised that he didn't shoot up the entire restaurant. Yeah. Which says that's- so much about the world we live in. I know. I, I thought that that's what was kind of happening too. I was like, oh, okay. He's just going to kill everyone. He yeah. like, everyone has to suffer for this guy not understanding what boundaries are, uh-huh. which is um, the usual MO of men like that is right. I'm going to shoot up everyone. And it's like, you know what? Shut up. Yeah. I was rejected. Do you know how many times you're going to get rejected in your goddamn life? Shut up. People don't deserve to die for it. I went on the guy who plays Dave's IMDb mm-hmm. and I don't know how much we can actually take this as gospel, but it also says that he's in 610. Ooh. I don't know. I Like I said, I'm not sure exactly how like, like if, that's actually true or not if it was like a glitch or something but it also says that that guy's in 610 interesting so i don't know if we're gonna get more flashbacks or if this is totally just a freaking lie no we totally will so once they have the mind space they'll use it again I hope they do. Mm-hmm. And then we get the bomb alert, which tells us that Josie is back in. So yeah. Dope, dope. A fully awake Josie walks in on Russell chatting with Bellamy and Miller about what the terms of the deal are. Bellamy notices Josie tapping out Morse code on her arm. It spells out alive, which tells Bellamy that Clark is still in there. He has a new mission. Only Bellamy could have figured this out. Like, yeah. it says so much about how tactically Bellamy and Clark think mm-hmm. that he saw an irregular pattern and he was like, that means something. Mm-hmm. Like, Bellamy, you huge nerd. Yeah. 
Of course you noticed that. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, Miller? Hey, it's been a while. Um, it's been a while, yeah. What have you been up to? He and Jackson have just been partying. I guess so. Yeah. Where's Jackson? Yeah, where's your boyfriend? Oh. Ooh, I I got a parallel. What? I have a parallel, Brittany. What? Earlier this episode, she says, oh my god, dad? And he goes, hello, sweetheart. And then in this scene, she goes, hey, dad. And he just goes, just a second, sweetheart. Aw. So father's using sweetheart parallel. Yeah. Thanks. Pretty good. Thank you. Pretty good. So this was a nod to Stranger Things. Oh, holy! If this was not a nod to Stranger Things, I am confused. It was. It had to be. Here are all the things that I got from this that were Stranger Things nods. Especially if, sorry, this is like, mm, we're talking about the Christmas lights just by the way. We're talking about the Christmas lights, the nosebleeds from like that one nostril, yeah. like the correct side as well. Yeah. And then from the end of season two of Stranger Things, Morse code tapping, like being possessed, but you're, but still being able to use your body. So you're literally tapping out Morse code. Yep. And I think what Will tapped out was like close gate. I think is what he, what he tapped out. Um, we just watched that too. We like just rewatched it because season three is about to come out and oh my God, (laughs) I'm so excited. So that, if that's not, not not to Stranger Things, I am confused and I'm a, a little like, uh, no, Kim Chum Boy's cool. It was definitely a strange thing. I think I think it was, but yeah. if it wasn't, I'm like, hi. Um, okay. You know what? I will say, even though this is gonna sound unbelievable, unbelievable. This will sound unbelievable. Sometimes coincidences do happen. Yeah, it's a think, lot. Though. I don't think this is one, but I do think like yeah. it was done on purpose. Russell says that Bellamy's going to need fifty of his own people, which means that he has to bring some down. Yeah, like I don't have fifty people here. Like I need some. Yeah. So Monty turns back into Clark, which tells us that Monty is done here, and we're going to be moving on just back into just Clark. But I also love that it's a manifestation of everything. Yeah. Clark has taken apart her own psyche and broken it into different aspects that she's dealt with and now she put herself back together. Right. And like Josie like pushed her out of the room and like fought her, which is the reason why she woke up. But like Clark got her way back inside. Yep. Like, I mean, Monty was also there. So like with Monty's help potentially, but it's interesting. So they say that Pike taught the Morse code, which I'm like, cool retcon. <laughs> yeah. I was like, um, what? Do like, you how do you make have, this like, make sense? Two classes? Yeah. Uh, Miller says he slept through it, which if you go back Mood. to season three and like watch the time when Pike was teaching the Morse skills, Miller is fully asleep. So You're kidding. Yes. Oh my God. The attention to detail. Yeah. Oh, my other thing was like, imagine if it was just gibberish. <laughs> she was just tapping. Like Bellamy's like, do it like putting out all of it and then he like goes and reads out and he's like oh says fart (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean yeah but yeah I mean it says so much about like Bellamy and Clark's relationship that she knew how to get his attention Mm -hmm. it was like oh Morse code it's like there's only one nerd who will understand this and it's Bellamy I wonder if she even knew what um what was even going to happen you know she just knew that it was going to like something was going to happen with her body she just didn't even know what it was going to be. Yeah, I think she was just like, okay, at some point, she'll just blink really fast. Yeah. And then she gets out, and, like, Josie's gone, and Bellamy's like, yeah, you were tapping your arm. She's like, that's what I was doing? Wow. Thought I was dancing a quick jig. <laughs> Cartwheels, am I not doing them? Hmm. Now it's time for segments. My first segment is the post-apocalyptic Sasquatch, which is our favorite line award. Mine goes to Josie for... Clark Griffin. It's nice to meet you. I've heard so many things. Most of them murdery, but, you know, no judgment. The use of the word murdery. She's so funny. Respect. And mine goes to Josie for... We're back, bitches! Ugh, <laughs> such good delivery. She saw an opportunity, she took it. Mm-hmm. My next segment is, well, it used to be the Clark Griffin shower watch, and then it was the Octavia Blake shower watch, and now it's just which milk was the most badass. Clark! Clark! Mm-hmm. She's a mom! 
Yeah, counts. Totally counts. And my next one is the Most Valuable Protagonist Award. So this week's MVP is obviously Clark. Woohoo! Like, even if, like, oh, Monty was helpful, but Monty was Clark. So it's all Clark. Thanks. Thank you. Next. How many episodes since the last murder? Can you believe it? Even though Clark did murder Josie, Josie wasn't actually dead. And so at the end of the episode, nobody who we thought, nobody who was alive is dead at this point. Exactly. Therefore, we can say that we have gone one episode since the last murder. I don't feel confident that we'll ever get farther than that. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Now it's time for our trailer reaction. Before we watch our trailer, actually, I want you all to go and listen to Leave the City by 21 Pilots because it's literally perfect if you need Clark feels specifically for this episode. After this episode, it will no longer be relevant, so I need you to go listen to it. Thanks. Okay. Someone make a video and send it to me, please, for the love of God. Thanks. For the love of God. The old man in the anomaly. Three, two, one, play. Brain surgery in a machine shop. What could go wrong? Oh. There's a lot of surgery going on here. Murphy, what you doing, bud? So... Obviously, Josie is, and this is the exact same outfit that Josie is in in the very last scene of this episode. Yeah. So it's the same day, so she hasn't gone to sleep again. And Russell is taking a look at her brain. Uh, what can we learn from this uh, screen here? I'm looking. A lot of activity. Mm-hmm. I bet you all that orange is Clark. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's, I don't think there's a lot we can learn from, like, the information. Other than, wow, she has a bisexual brain? Yeah. Wow. This is Riker and Raven, I guess, working on the radiation shield? It must be. How do they... There's no way they get them to agree to surgery in the machine shop. No. So they're going to put the chip in Murphy's brain in the machine shop. I don't know. Oh! I'm not not there yet. Boy. Yes, you are. Josie is wearing Clark's shirt. Clark's murder jacket. And he's saying surgery in a machine shop. Oh, I understand. Okay. So we see Shade had a behind Miller, question mark? Yeah. Okay. Okay, well, um, I mean, that's concerning for sure. Poor Maddie. Hi, my name's John Murphy and I got stabbed in the crotch (laughs) and that's what's happening to me today. Yep. Driving through on motorcycles. Echoes. Echo. Is that Emory's glove that she wears? Uh, in the part where... Murphy gets... Yeah. Oh, looks- yeah, 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 for sure. Okay, so, so she's who trying stabbed to him? People on motorcycles. Yeah, I think that's Raven and Riker as well. Okay, dope. Potentially. Then they get to the thing, so they're leaving the thing. The radiation shield. So it's down. So that can't be good news for anyone. Oh, that's Josie holding Murphy. No one else has a leather jacket that beat up except for Josie. Fair. Oh, Murph. When do you not have a knife at your throat? He's like, really? I just got stabbed in the crotch. (laughs) Like, this is, this is not for me, man. Protect me. And then the green anomaly. Um, I'm excited because that green anomaly, if you look in the season six trailer, someone runs out of it and it looks like a kid, which is what I was talking about earlier. Sure. And there's also someone waiting on the other side of it. Yes. So... Xavier, question mark, question mark, question mark. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Please, if you are so inclined, write us a review on iTunes. We like those. And we also have a survey. It's perpetually open. It's in the description. We'd love to hear some of your thoughts. Um, If there is something that we did that you particularly like or particularly don't like, we would love to hear from you. If you're a fan of Riverdale, we like to talk about that show too. We have covered seasons one to three. And there's also some chilling adventures of Sabrina on there. Yeah. Season four is coming out on October 9th. And I am pumped about it. Nice. 
Nice. If you're a fan of Lost, we like to talk about that show too. We did all of season one and we are halfway through season two at this point. Um, we have guests over there and those are our longest podcasts. So if you're looking for long ass talks about one episode <laughs> of Lost, that's that. If you're looking for this one specific thing, boy, are you in luck. Yeah. If you're a fan of Stranger Things, we like to talk about that show too, which we, I think, made pretty clear in this mm-hmm. podcast. We covered season one and we basically just wrapped up season one actually because season three is coming out two weeks from now for us. A little bit. Um, a little bit less than that, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So when this comes out, our finale podcast, which we have two special guests on, is coming out on Thursday. So there's a moth here. There's a moth here. It's near me. You can follow at the Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Rebel, YouTube, mostly Twitter. I have been working on our Instagram stories and I also post gifts on our Tumblr. So. And our Patreon is patreon.com slash theaficionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating because our hosting fees are expensive. It's so expensive. Yeah, it's really expensive. Yeah. And if you can't donate for any reason, that's totally okay. The next best thing you can do is recommend us to a friend. Oh, Yay. That's nice. Um, you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me on Twitter at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. Next episode is episode 608, which is called The Old Man and the Anomaly. I'm so excited! Me too. Okay, love you, bye! Okay, love you, bye!